Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Alex Neal to my Billy Davis. It's Justin Peach. Good, good day, Ryan. Sorry, you're going to have to explain that one a bit because, I mean, they're both Scottish, both small, both fiery, both angry. One was much more successful than the other. That's debatable. Well, one got to the playoffs. One's actually got a promotion. Actually, I suppose Alex, yeah, Alex yeah. Neil got a promotion as well. Maybe I'm saying we're both as good as each other, Justin. Have you ever thought about that? It's about time. It's about time. <laughs> Justin, how are you? I'm I'm very good. I'm 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 sitting in a melting pot right now, as I've moaned for the last sort of you know however long we've been on. Um, you have, yeah, because the radio is blaring, the sun is shining, and I'm literally on fire. I will once again point this out. You are aware that you can just turn off your radiator i think a lot of listeners will uh, sympathize with me it means going under my desk and upsetting the precarious situation i have right now in terms of an uncomfortable desk chair if i move it squeaks and you lose that comfortable spot and no one wants that you don't want me uncomfortable while recording do we so I'm not sure if any listeners will associate with that, but I'm sure I'm sure this conversation got boring quite some time ago. <laughs> so, shall, so we shall move on, Justin. You are listening to the biggest championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. We're doing things a bit different this week because obviously there's no games. It's an international break. There's not much news either. So we were thinking about what could we do to keep you entertained, dear listener. So. Why not have a few debates? Hence, the second tier debates was born. So here's four things that we're going to talk through today. The first involves Norwich, as we all know. They're strolling back to the Premier League and also to winning the league. But where does this Norwich team rank amongst the best teams ever in the championship. We're going to debate that with Jacob Robinson from Canary Cast shortly. The second topic is about Brentford. Is this Brentford team better or worse than it was last season? In the second half of the show, we're going to talk about refereeing standards in the championship. What needs to be done? Because it's something we talk about every single week, Justin. Can anything actually be done to improve the standard of officiating in the championship? And finally, it's the big one. The relegation battle. Who do we think is going down this season. We're going to go through all the contenders and decide who we think is most likely to be playing in League One next season. So we'll start off by talking about Norwich. Where does this Norwich team rank amongst the best in Championship history? Jacob Robinson is from the Norwich podcast Canary Cast. Jacob, hello. Hello there. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. Yeah, doing very well. At, as, at time of recording, we are flying high and pretty. So yeah, very well. <laughs> exactly. So Norwich, as you say, Eight points clear, top of the championship, cruising to promotion. But the question is, how good 
is this team compared to past title winners? I suppose a good place to start would be, is it better than the team which got promoted a couple of seasons ago? I'd say it's comfortably better than a team two years ago. I think wow. the players who were in it two years ago, Timu Piki and Amy Wendy are actually better. Tim Crawl looks better. And the whole structure of the team is just so much more professional. A couple of years ago, it was it was kind of fun. It was four threes, three twos, and an absolute laugh, but also a heart attack at the defence, which was, I think it's conceded the most amount of goals any um, championship title winning side ever has. And that kind of followed on into the Premier League season where it was just, yeah, um, we paved over the cracks with fantastic attacking play. But this year it's been brilliant attacking play and such a magnificent defence. It's it's a much more fitting championship title winning season, I think, this year. Yeah, I think that's the big difference, isn't it? How much better they are defensively. Because this season, um, well, I'll get onto it in a sec in terms of the statistical data side of things. But in terms of purely goals conceded, you've got the second best defence in the Championship this season. Whereas, as you rightly mentioned, you had one of the worst defences um, for a title-winning side ever in the Championship a couple of seasons ago. Um, Justin, for you, would you agree this team is better than the one a couple of seasons ago? Yeah, when you think about certain aspects like Max Aaron's, um, well, I say Ben Godfrey, but they, they've left. But they were they were raw at that point coming through um, in that first uh, championship winning season. Now they've got now some of the young players have got two years young uh, two years on, uh, under their belts. You've got players with more experience. Puky, Timmy Puky knows the championship inside and out, uh, knows how to score goals, and they've got a bit more balance about them. Um, yeah, so it's it's hard to disagree with Jacob. There's there's more balance to this side. Recruitment from the Premier League probably didn't have much of an impact in the Premier League, but the longevity that Stuart Webber and Daniel Farker sort of look toward, I think, lends to that. You know, everything's everything's done for the future, and um, yeah, it's it's a team that will I think will only get better. Um, so if they come down again in a couple of years' time, which I'm sure Jacob hope won't be the case, I think they'll even be better than this season. So. Yeah, well, that, interestingly, that, that is something we'll probably talk about at a later date when Norwich surely get promoted when that is officially confirmed. But for now, let's just focus on this. Um, quick poll then. Jacob, where does this team rank among the best ever in the Championship for you? Well, I remember watching Wolves, what was it, three years ago now? and thinking, wow, that is a team mm. which is made of, Champions League players to be fair in the championship and it, it was it was a different level even the coach was I think Daniel Farker's what um, Justin was saying about Stuart Webber and Daniel Farker I think they both improved as well over two years um, which made this team better but yeah that, that team was incredible Reading obviously you can't um, kind of not mention them with obviously the record points and how well they did in the Premier League for the next season after that so I, I but in all general, I think we're better than that Leeds team that went up. That might be quite controversial. Um, I hope that gets a few clicks. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think we're definitely in the top four, probably third at the minute, probably just behind that Reading and Wolves side for me. Okay, Justin? Yeah, I was, I've, I've been sort of gearing up to it. I think that, that Reading team peaks every single side. What they did that season was ridiculous. I think the only thing you can argue about Norwich is they've done it twice in three years. Um, and they and they attack with a swagger and they've done it even better this season. I didn't even bring that Wolves team into consideration, but that that Wolves team was 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 scarily good. Um, I think the, the difference with those sides is, I'd say Norwich probably play the better football. 
they probably played a more exciting football. Um, and they've got Buendia, who is mercurial, um, taking that wolf side out of it. So I would say it's, it's in the top five. Uh, top three might be a bit of a stretch, but this is what the debate's about. Do we think we play it off better because of no fans? That's a really interesting point because, again, what Norwich have done this season is they've done something that no team has done before. They've done it without fans. They've done it on a, an intense schedule. So, again, that swings it for me. So, maybe top three might be worthy. <laughs> well, I'd say this. I don't think they're in the top five, personally. Wow. Um, top five? Wow. <laughs> no, I don't I don't think so for me. Um, I think, I'll say this, I think recent form perhaps skews perceptions of how good this Norwich team has been this season. Because obviously recently they've been absolutely flying. There's no denying that. But earlier in the season, they were struggling. And it wasn't until at least a third of the way through the season, really, that this Norwich team really got out of second gear, if you know what I mean. Um, And obviously we're not a show which talks about expected goals very often. But if I could do just for a sec, it helps with my point. According to InfoGoal, Defensively, Norwich are the 10th best team this season in terms of expected goals against. So nine teams, including Stoke and Millwall, have been better defensively for expected goals. And that's the main hang-up for me, because amazing, uh, they're going forward, they're amazing. There's no debating that. Um, But it's just defensively where I've got quite a few question marks. What do you think, Justin? You mentioned the XG about the best defensive teams. Yeah, Millwall and Stoke, fine, great. They, They are mainly set up to defend against teams who are better than them. Norwich have done it. Okay, defensively, they were a bit shaky up until maybe about Christmas and then New Year, but they they started to level out. Attacking-wise, they've been good all season. And that's why they're top of the league, because, you know, teams that play good football are always going to leave gaps for teams to exploit. And the good teams will exploit, and Norwich would have found that this season. But for the most part, and as we've seen, it's the reason why they're top. Most teams haven't. That is a fair point. Sorry, Ryan, I was just going to say, also, like, to counteract your original point, what did you say at the very start? Norwich have the second best defensive record out of everyone. We scored four <laughs> well, against Stoke, for example. And well, that's also, it. We've, we've had 15 injuries this season. Tim Krull out for 10 games. We've had to use three goalkeepers this year. So, Michael McGovern did very well. Dan Barden's done well to come in. I think if you look at, like, um, we were saying earlier on, with the, the hectic schedule, this is a schedule like no other. And the fact that we've had 15 injuries all at one time and not been out of the top six at all this season, very rarely out of the top two and pretty much top since months and months. Realistically, I think the consistency levels can compared considering there's no momentum with um, fans or anything like that to have the pressure on every game, like the likes of Birmingham sitting back and playing 10 at the back against you. Stoke, for example, did exactly the same. I could list off about 20 clubs that have done that this year against Norwich where we've just sat back and gone, you know what? you beat us and we have because we yes we have got the better players and we've done really well to keep a lot of those those good players which Covid did help with in terms of the football season but in general I think this is a, a unique league and unique time where Norwich have done really well when we look back on this I think we'll see just how well they've done compared to what future relegated teams will do I think no, that's a fair point. Injuries has definitely hindered Norwich this season. Well, I say hindered it's affected them but it's not really hindered their actual results has it so yeah that is a fair point just going back to the defensive side of things the whole point of expected goals is it shows when teams are taking chances or not and I think 
certainly earlier in the season, not as much recently, because admittedly Norwich have been a different team defensively since the turn of the year. But earlier in the season, I think Tim Krul was keeping Norwich in quite a few games. Um, the Swansea game in particular stood out for me at Carrow Road where Tim Krull was like Superman on that day. Um, but when I think of best ever championship teams, I'm talking just best in every single department. And that Leeds team from last season was just fantastic defensively and going forwards. They should have scored a hell of a lot more if it wasn't for Patrick Bamford fluffing a lot of his chances. I mean, that's crazy to think now that they're on about him playing in the England team, but that's another story for a different day. Um, The only other point I was going to make was, and it's something you've touched upon this season as well, is if you take Emmy Brendier out of this team, is this Norwich team as good? Um, I know you could say that about every other single team. If you take out their best player, then obviously they're going to be affected. But I feel like... Brendia is such a key cog in this Norwich team that for them to be so, not reliant, but you know what I mean, on a single player, it makes a big difference. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm glad we're recording now after that Forest game where we absolutely, that was probably our best performance of the season. Forest was very bad, yeah. but we were brilliant. And that was obviously without Brendia, who um, his partner was uh, having given birth at that time. So, yeah, that was a brilliant performance. Kieran Dale stepped up, Todd Campbell stepped up, Lucas Rippett 10, which I never thought I'd <laughs> say those words, yeah. played really well as well. I think that shows that actually that was probably Norwich's most balanced performance of the season. But no, I completely get what you mean. Before that, we'd only ever won, had ever won one game without him, which in two years is is really crazy, really, to show he's, I would say, this is probably a debate for another day, but must be up there with the best ever players to play in the Championship. You know, I was thinking this the other day that he's got to be up there just because of how brilliant he's been this season. He is quite clearly a top half Premier League player playing in the championship. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Uh, Justin, you agree? Yeah, he no, should be playing European football, in my opinion. I, th- I think if it wasn't for COVID, um, he'd have been signed, snapped up for 30, 40 million easily. Yeah, definitely. I 100% agree with that. Uh, so what's the verdict, boys? Are we... Uh, has anyone been swayed from at the start of the debate or is everyone sticking with the guns? Jacob? Yeah, I think I'm happy to say that we are very good, but probably not the best that I've seen personally. Um, if I was having my yellow and green glasses on, it's definitely the best Norwich side I've seen in terms of professionalism and squad, really. just makes me hope that, no offence, I love being on this channel, but hope that I'm not here in t- <laughs> a couple of years' time talking about how we're losing uh, Max Aaron and everybody here. But yeah, hopefully we kick on and show that this wasn't a one-off. Because I think that also in history comes back to kind of show how good a team was, that if they can go on and kick, up, kick on in the next level as well, like, like the likes of Wolves have done brilliantly. Yeah, well, I think we can all agree that this Norwich team is better prepared now than they were a couple of seasons ago. Everyone's nodding in agreement there, so that's good. Uh, Justin, <laughs> are you sticking with top five? Top five easily for me. I think you know the the lead side was was good last season, and I'd love to see them play against each other. Um, obviously, it would never happen. Only maybe in FIFA, but it's just. For me, attacking, they're just so good going forwards. They've got so much swagger at times. They were fun to watch two seasons ago. This season, not so much fun, but they're ruthless and quite intimidating, I think, for other sides, which speaks volumes to how they progress. So, yeah, top five easily for me. You have swayed me a bit, boys. I'm going to say in between 
top five and top ten. Somewhere around there. Not too sure, but I, 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 I can't have them in top five for me. Uh, but Jacob, thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. And yeah, enjoyed uh, lording Norwich up again. Jacob Robinson there from Canaricast. Really good chat there with him. Very interesting what, hearing what he had to say from a Norwich perspective, Justin. Let's move on to our next debate, Justin. It involves Brentford, who are once again on course for at least a playoff place this season and we're hoping to finally get into the Premier League. But is this team better or worse than last season? Billy Grant is from the Brentford podcast. Be sotted. Billy, hello. Hello. Well, I remember last season when it was coming up to the playoff final and everyone was saying, Brentford, if they don't go up, then Premier League clubs are going to be cherry-picking their talents. They won't have any players left. And that kind of happens and it kind of didn't at the end of the day. Um, Obviously, Ben Rama, Watkins left. They were the two big stars. And then we saw, well, since then, players have dropped in form. Some players have got better. Thomas Frank has had another year at championship level. But from your perspective, as our resident Brentford fan on the second tier, do you think Brentford this season are better or worse than they were last season? This is, I mean, this is actually a really difficult one because, you know, as a fan, you know, we sit there, we watch the game, we watch the, you know, we watch the matches with our eyes. I mean, this season, you have to remember that we've watched a whole season on television. And when you watch it on TV, you can kind of micro watch everything that's happening because you see everything that's going on. Whereas last season, we saw probably three quarters of the season, probably four fifths of the season on the terraces if you went to the games. Uh, people also have to remember that we were playing some great football, in particular, you know, after lockdown, you know. So after after the break, we, we, we shut down for three months and then we came back and then we started to play some, honestly, some really fantastic football. We won eight games in a row and we lost our last two games. I think the thing that, you know, it's a natural thing for people, what you always do remember, you remember the last things that's ever happened so Mm. (laughs) those are the things that are always warm in your mind so if a team finishes off on a fantastic run they think that is the best team ever whereas if a team started off on a on a brilliant run in the first of kind of 20 games of the season and then tailed off even if that team doesn't get the same points everyone always thinks that that team is is not as good as the one that finished off do do you understand what i'm saying so you know to answer your question about you know about Brentford this season as opposed to last season, I'd say that we've become slightly more functional, is probably not the word, but we've we've cut out a lot of the problems that we had last season. If we took that team last year and I think put them in the Premier League, I think that they would have had no problems. You can see how Ollie Watkins is doing. Ben Rama's, you know, he's he's in the top, you know, the West Ham side, but you know, probably the wrong move for him if you if you really ask me. If he was in the Brentford team last week with Ollie Watkins, you know, plus Boom actually firing, honestly, I don't think we would have had any problems um, in in the Premier League um, this season if we'd gone up. And so. I've got a real emotional attachment to that Brentford team of last season, but I can't actually deny looking at the, the facts, the fact that this team this season is, you know, has learned from those mistakes. So it's not making the mistakes. It, it was losing, well, at one stage until this poor run, was losing less games in this season. You know, we scored pretty much similar amount of goals and we're losing less games. So all I'm saying is that over the next eight or nine games, if we turn it around, they'll be a better team but I still have this real emotional attachment to the team last season I'm going to say one other thing as well more practical side this 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 season 
And if we can cut out the errors, I think we can do what we didn't do last season because we're just losing too many games 1-0. Justin, your thoughts? It's it's certainly an interesting debate. Um, I think, you know, Billy's pretty much nailed every point I was, I was going to make, especially about this. He's brought in all the stats I was going to bring in. But going away from that, I think perception-wise, it's, it's been sort of altered a little bit by the expectation, especially for outsiders, outside, non-Brentford fans like Ryan and I. You know, you expect Brentford to have built on last season. You know, they 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 lost, if you look at it um, up front, they lost uh, Ben Rama and Watkins, who were two of the best players in the Championship last season. And you only bring in Ivan Tony. you've replaced one of the two players. And as I say, expectation has, has shifted perception for Brentford because you expect them to improve season after season. Um, and I think this season, points-wise, they're better off, but I think they're exactly where they were last season. So I don't think they've got better or got worse. I just think they haven't improved, essentially. And it's it comes down to a, a multitude of factors, I think. Strikers contributing or players contributing to goals. Four, uh, four players last season hit double figures in terms of goals. And this season, it's just Ivan Tony. So it tells you the differences in the sides and the, the star quality they had last season. It's, it was easy to fall in love with the, the team last season because of how, how good they looked going forward. And this season, perhaps a little bit more conservative. But yeah, I think to, to go straight to the point, I don't think they've got better or worse. There's another point which I think is quite important to, to note. Last season... Um, we finished, um, West Brom finished, and if I remember rightly, in second place on, on 83 points. And again, if I remember rightly, we finished in third place on 81 points, which meant that 82 points could have got you second place last season. It was the lowest scoring second place finish, basically automatic promotion finish in the last six, since, since we've been in the, in the championship in the last six years, right? So, are you saying, you know, are you turning around and saying that maybe the league wasn't as strong last year as it is this year? You know, because it was basically, that was our opportunity. You know, all we needed to get was 80, 83 points, you know, or because, you know, West Brom, say, say, let, let, for the sake of argument, let's say 84 points is what we needed to get promoted, um, you know, uh, last season. This season, we'll probably get 84 points and not get promoted. Yeah, it's an interesting point because obviously whether the league is stronger or not is a massive part of the equation when you ask this question, isn't it? And that's another debate for us to have for another day. Um, in terms of what I think, whether this Brentford side is stronger or weaker, I, if I had to be brutally honest, I would probably say just slightly weaker. Only just, but that's only because people forget how good a player Saeed Benrahma was. He was absolutely fantastic. And the thought of him being in the same team as Ivan Tony is just mouth-watering because the number of chances that Ben Rama created for players was off the charts. And Ivan Tony, as we all know, is as clinical a striker as we've ever seen at championship level. Um, so he's a big factor. He's not really been replaced. Sergi Kanos has shown flashes of brilliance here and there, but he hasn't done it as consistently as Ben Rama has. While Tony is a better player than Watkins, there's not as much of a bigger gap between Watkins and Tony as there is between Ben Rama and Kanos. And then I think when you go through the rest of the side, Embremo is nowhere near as good a player as he was last season. Um, Pontus Janssen, when he's been fit, doesn't seem to have been as effective this season 
as he was last season. Um, so when you take into that all, when you take all of that into account, I think for me this side is just slightly weaker. Justin, would you agree with that? Bringing those factors into account, potentially yes. But I'm still sitting on the fence, as, as Billy alluded um, on a number of occasions. You know, injuries haven't helped them this season. You know, Janssen's been injured for a large portion of it. Might be playing with an injury as well. Rico Henry adds a lot of balance to the side. Him being out the side means that you know if Frank wants to play three at the back with wing backs, he can't do it because Mads Mads back Sorensen isn't a left a left back or as, as a flying left back as, as Rico Henry is. So there's a lot of elements when you, when you take out of it, it unbalances this Brentford side. And then comparing Canos and Ben Rama, you know, Ben Rama is a 25, 30 million pound player. Canos isn't. And that's the difference. That's essentially the difference. And when you've got a few of those, that helps. But I think Brentford have probably been relying on certain players too much. Again, that comes down to injuries. Um, and as you say, you take players like Watkins and Ben Rama out, it's going to, it's going to, you're going to suffer. But for me, Frank's done a really good job in terms of losing his best players to transfers and injuries. He's kept the, he's kept the side going. What I will say, and listen, I hear what you're saying, and I do agree with you as well, uh, Ryan. Basically, we needed a winger. If we, if we pulled in a winger in that in that in that international window, if we pulled in a winger in that international window, and the other point of debate as well is a backup left back. At the time of the international window, Henry was just motoring away, played loads of matches. He was motoring away, doing really well. And as soon as the window shut, pretty much he got injured, and we didn't have a backup because we sent our backup off to Swindon. Um, now, if we're to get a backup left back who is in the mould of Henry, which is going to be difficult because Henry's such a great player. But again, you know, you're actually playing, you know, as like Henry did, and also to have a winger, somebody who was fast, somebody who can terrorise, you know, then if we had those in place, then I think that we can actually probably be a little bit more comfortable that Brentford would have the capability to switch it up whenever they need to and do what they need to. But at the moment now, we're relying on the players that we've got. And so I suppose when you look at it this way, you know, you remove Ben Rama out of there um, and you, you, you know, you haven't got a particular player that's come in like a Ben Rama, then yes, you are, you are, you know, you are correct like that. And it is a little bit frustrating, but um we got to hop back to that 21 game unbeaten run because everyone was raving about us in that unbeaten run. And, you know, 46 game season, when it's compacted like it is, you know, two games a, se- uh, two games a week makes it really, really tough. Brilliant, Billy. Thank you for your time. Thank you, mate. Cheers. Billy Grant there from the Brentford podcast, Be Sotted. So, Good, good stuff from him there. Very interesting to hear what he had to say from a Brentford perspective. And it's one of those debates that I think we could go on for hours and hours just in talking about which team is better or, or worse. So, um, But yeah, that's pretty much it for part one of this episode. In part two, we'll talk about the standard of officiating in the championship and also the relegation battle. Who's going down? Find out in part two. I tell you what, there's nothing I love more than a classic football shirt. I've got loads of them. A Juventus shirt, Marseille shirt, even an Antalya Sport shirt. One of the reasons I've got so many is because I can get them for a great price from ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk. They've got shirts for teams from all over the globe, and that of course includes championship clubs. So if you wanted a classic Wednesday shirt, Reading shirt or Barnsley shirt, whoever you support, they'll have something for your club. 
It's not just shirts either, they've also got tracksuits, baseball caps, socks, so much stuff. Have a look for yourself. Go to classicfootballshirts.co.uk right now. Welcome back to the Second Tier podcast. So this is the Second Tier Debates, where we go through some of the uh, big questions that we're asking in the championship. Uh, We're going to move on to officiating, which has been something we've not really talked about much this season, really, Justin, has it? I don't think we've ever mentioned officiating once. Yeah, it's not a topic we we tend to cover, really. Nothing happens of of great interest in this area. So, yeah, we, we very rarely cover it. So it's nice to be able to finally shine a light on what good officiating we've had this season. Mm, indeed. Um, so, <laughs> where do we start? Uh, I'd say officiating this season has been dreadful, but you made a very good point not too long ago that referees, much like players, have, I, I suppose, the excuse of fatigue because, like the players, it's week in, week out. They're pretty much refereeing games every few days, aren't they, quite frankly? Yeah. Um, so there is that excuse. But at the same time, it feels like referees and officials in this in the Championship have desperately needed help for some time now. Do you agree? I do. I've, 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 I've come across a, uh, quite a few points on this subject that are, that are really interesting and debatable. I think the use of VAR has meant... Some officials, at, some of the good officials at Championship level, have have gone up a level to the Premier League because they've needed the excess referees and linesmen um, because of the, the the number of people that are involved in the process now. That means Championship, we've that means the Championship has lost those officials. Yeah. We don't get them back. They're in the Premier League, so there's that lack of quality essentially because they're being fast tracked up a level um which has meant the championship is is left with those that aren't really of a standard they need to be at to be refereeing in the championship and the referee uh, the refereeing in the championship you know the championship in mini cosm of the premier league it's as fast paced at times as as premier league games are so officials need to be up to standard as well no it's a very fair point it's a very fair point it's something i hadn't really considered um i think var is one aspect of the debate that's got to be had hasn't it you're Mm. a big supporter of var aren't you i am massive supporter i think if it's used effectively it works for example in the area of vc the margin of error on on offside is larger than the margin of error in the uk so you don't get these fingernail width decisions there's actually probably a a finger width it's it's just a lot more i don't know favoring it's a lot clearer you know there's not weird frameworks in the camera angles and whatnot um you know if it's used properly and the rules are up to standard then it works if it isn't then we got we get what we what we have now which is a complete and utter mess Yeah, Uh, look, I know there'll be people listening to this who listen to other podcasts who go on about VAR all the time because they, you know, they're Premier League based podcasts. And so VAR is the main topic of conversation pretty much every week. And so it's often quite nice to have a break from VAR when you listen (laughs) to a championships podcast. But for me, I, I think VAR is one of those things that I'd be for if it was a lot better. Um, 
one thing that you mentioned there about the you know toenail offsides <laughs> is one that really grinds my gears um another one is how long it takes for decisions to be made now yeah. obviously we all know VAR is for and I'm using quotation marks here clear and obvious errors if a decision is taking longer than two minutes to make it's for me not that clear and obvious um so I've always thought there should be a time limit on how long it takes the VAR official to make their decision. If it takes longer than that, then it's not that clear and obvious. I'm talking about 30 seconds or something like that. Um, so that's one thing I'd change. So going back to a poll that we did not too long ago, I remember asking our listeners, would you want to have um, VAR in the championship um, or would you rather have dodgy officiating for the rest of time? And I think dodgy officiating won that. So say, for example, VAR was completely out of the question. What more do you think needs to be done to improve the standard of officiating in the championship? Uh, it's it's the standards that need, to, that need to be raised. And referees, if they make a, a terrible decision, as we've seen, I think to, to name one referee who's made consistently bad decisions he's still refereeing in the championship perhaps time away in the lower leagues or away as a I don't know as a fourth official just doing something like that might be better um, because at the moment training just isn't isn't capable so it's it's such a hard one to say because I don't know what they go through to get to where they are I think one interesting thing that you mentioned not too long ago was having an extra official behind the goal. Now, that was a thing quite some time ago in the Europa League, wasn't it? Or was it even in the Champions League as well? Yeah. I can't yeah. remember that off the top of my head. Um, but that, in, in practice, didn't seem to really work because they didn't really seem to actually do that much. But I think if you actually give that referee behind the goal a bit more authority then it could work. It seemed like at times it was the referee in the middle gets the you know the big say and then the other yeah. one behind the goal. And I suppose the, the linesmen now, even in the championship, they're kind of secondary figures really and they'll mm-hmm. give you a bit of an update if the referee wants it. But I, I feel like giving those officials more authority would actually help referees a lot and it does. it's not 100% on the referee's head. Final point, Justin... We spoke quite um, a few weeks ago now about referees coming out after games <laughs> and explaining their decisions. I think this was after the Middlesbrough-Swansea game where there was just chaos around the decisions there. Well, what do you think of that? Do you think that would help things? <laughs> I think it opens them up to a lot more scrutiny than um, than it would do if they didn't. Maybe even less, actually. Um, I mean, they're not going to apologise for making a mistake because... Everybody makes mistakes. Players make mistakes. Managers make mistakes. Supporters make mistakes. You know, whoever drinks Bovril is making a mistake at half time. So, <laughs> you know, everybody makes mistakes. So, also, coming out and apologising for that is it just seems counterproductive. Um, but what they can do in in certain situations, like the Gavin Ward penalty um, for Swansea against Middlesbrough, is explain his reasoning as to why that was given. Just a, just a very brief statement because for me it was a penalty. For others, it wasn't. Um, it helps us get around that decision because, like everybody in the in that stadium at the time, he's got one one opportunity to see it, 
and in the end he saw it as a penalty. Why did he see it as a penalty? That's what we want to know. Um, so why did you come to that decision? That's it. That's essentially it. I think I think it would help, um, and I think you could say, yeah, less scrutiny will come your way if you if you do that. But then again, social media is 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 horrendous at times. So there's an argument against it as well. It certainly is. Justin, let's move on to the relegation battle. Now, we could have had a chat about who we think is going up automatically this season, who's going to finish in the playoffs this season. But for me, the relegation battle in the championship this season is so tight and so hard to predict that it is worth having a good chat about and which teams we think are most likely going to be filling those relegation places come the end of the season. So let's talk about which teams we still think are in the relegation battle for me I'm going Preston downwards are you going that high I I would go up to Preston but I'd, I, I'd consider the likes of Forest and Huddersfield maybe safe um, but yeah certainly I think I think I don't think you can count Preston out to be honest with you no I would say those three are kind of in a league of their own where I'd say they're all outsiders but all have arguments to be made for still being in a relegation battle. Preston's form recently has been atrocious. So you can't discount them. Forest haven't been in great form either. They're really struggling to pick up wins at the moment. Huddersfield have improved after looking awful at the turn of the year, but have got better. So I think I'd be surprised if any of those three actually did get relegated this season, but I don't think you can completely rule them out. So with that being said, we're going Derby, Coventry, Birmingham, Rotherham, and they're the four teams really who are still fight, who are still fighting for their lives, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Wednesday and Wickham. Wednesday, we still think could have a chance of staying up, but it's looking unlikely, isn't it? Um, so let's start off with Derby. What would you say are the pros for them this season? Christ, this is going to be difficult trying to eke out pros of these teams. <laughs> um, I, I guess the pros is defensively they've looked pretty sound. They they've kept, I think they've kept ten clean sheets under Wayne Rooney. Uh, and uh, not many more before that under under Philip Koku. So defensively, they are they are very good. Um, they've also got quality to come into the side in Tom Lawrence. We know he's capable of defying XG by scoring from thirty yards. So in terms of creating chances, as we know, which is a negative for Derby, um, he can he can win games just by firing one in. Um, so yeah, I think I think the obvious pros are just defensive solidity for Derby. It's hard to find much else for them. Yeah, defensively, they are solid, aren't they? They've only conceded as many goals this season as Barnsley, one more than Reading and only three more than Brentford, which says a lot because Derby have been near the bottom of the table all season, but have got quite a surprisingly good defensive record, the best in the bottom half of the table, I think. Um, So that's the obvious positive for them. As you mentioned, it's just going forwards where they are so, so poor. And I spoke about this at length on Sunday. I won't do it again. Tom Lawrence coming back is a massive plus for them um, because, as we know, he has got the quality to um, just add a spark, really. And they've missed that all season. So him coming back will be crucial. The big negatives are, as we mentioned, going forwards. It's the form as well. I'd say, well, at the moment, they're probably the most out-of-form team 
in the relegation battle because they haven't won for quite some time now and it's getting a bit concerning. I think quite a few Derby fans look at the relegation battle and think to themselves, oh, we're not going down this season, we'll be fine. But I think that confidence is quite misplaced. Um, Derby desperately need to get wins on the board. They, at the moment, are only two points ahead of Birmingham. So it's so, so tight around there and the fact that they're so out of form at the moment is a massive cause for concern. I think what we're going to do, Justin, is each team, we're going to give a ranking out of five for how likely we think they're going to stay up this season. So what ranking would you give for Derby to stay up this season out of five? Our ranking would be very different to Wayne Rooney's because he's only just started to say that they will, they're in a relegation battle, even though they've been in the bottom six all season. Um, I would give them... I would give them f- f- 3.8 out of 5. <laughs> that is very specific. Yeah. I was thinking a 3 out of 5 chance of staying up this season. It depends massively on how their form is in the um, when we come out of this international break. They've still got a couple of tricky games coming up. They've not got uh, a tidy running. No, not at all. So that is going to be massive. But even though Derby are a massive club at this level, they are still well in this relegation battle. Definitely. Let's move on to Coventry. What are the big pros for Cov? I think the the youthfulness of the team is a big pro. They're going into a busy period. Yeah, Easter weekend is always, or Easter the Easter fixtures are always. But could you also argue that's a negative because they don't have the experience? Well, I mean, they have got experienced players, yeah. but as you mentioned, it is a mostly youthful side, isn't it? Well, you could say it's a negative. I'll say it's positive. It's a debate show, Ryan. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Um, but like like I was saying, it, it's the Easter weekend. We all know it's it's a busy period. There's a there's a game on Good Friday and Easter Monday. So it's it's when it start when it's, that's when start um, things start to ramp up as we get to the business end and the the home run. Just to add a few more cliches. I think going forwards, they're a lot more effective than than most of the teams that da- that are down there, other than Rotherham really in the bottom six. Uh, the second top goal scorer in that bottom in that bottom six, um, and as well as that, they've got they've got guaranteed creativity in the likes of Hamer, O'Hara. They've got a striker when fit in Walker who can put chances away, and Matt Godden hopefully will be back very soon as well. So there's I think there's a lot going for commentary in my opinion. Yeah, I can see what you mean. Um, Walker and Godden coming back is going to be massive for them. Walker has had a tough season with injury, but when he has played, he has looked a real player. He's looked a fantastic signing from Forrest. And as you say, O'Hare and Hamer are fantastic players. Defensively, they've looked a lot more solid than they did earlier in the season as well. They were awful defensively early in the season, but they've managed to eventually find their groove. They've also got a game in hand, which could be massive. It's not like Rotherham, who have an abundance of games in hand where they're struggling to fit it in. It's just one game in hand. And um, that should... That that's a benefit in their case, as opposed to Rotherham, where it's a it's a it's, it's, well, it's a hindrance, really, isn't it? Um, at, what what would you say the big negatives are then hanging against Coventry? I think the lack of consistency this season um, and the lack of flexibility in formation and systems. I think Mark Robbins has pretty much stuck with the the same system. Um, also, when you don't have the likes of Walker and Godden, Biamu's a, a good striker, but at this level, is he what you need? Probably not. 
um, just because he's not as as uh, efficient in front of goal, should we say. So I think that, that goes against them. And um, I think, like you said, youthfulness can can go against you in a relegation run. Birmingham City have, have been there and done it. They've got a lot of experienced players, say with Derby. That might help. It, it, it might not. So I think those are the, the, the other the other factors that might that might impact them. Yeah, they've got the likes of McFadden and Kelly who are experienced players at this level. Um, but the amount of young players they have got is well is is quite a lot compared to the other teams down there in the relegation battle. Um, yeah, I think inconsistency is the big concern for me for Coventry because they manage to pull out a result every so often, but it doesn't happen anywhere near enough. Luckily for them, they have got more games in hand than the teams around them. So that will be um, the main benefit for them, I think. And I'm feeling quite confident about Cov staying up, I, I would say. You're nodding as well. Are you feeling more confident about them staying up than Derby, Birmingham and Rotherham? Definitely. I think they've. When, whenever I've watched Coventry play, they've always looked very tidy. They're very good at knocking the ball around. Um, it's just picking up a run of results that will pull them away. I think if they, even if they get a run of three wins out of five, that'll do them. Um, they don't need to do much to get that run together. So in terms of you know a, a rating, uh, I'd say I'd say two because it's still a real possibility, but very unlikely for me. So you're saying no? You're saying four? You mean it's how likely to stay up? Yeah, very likely. Then Derby would be at the other end of the spectrum. I said three point eight for Derby. They uh, two point eight then for Derby. Okay then, I'm saying four. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm saying four out of five. Coventry's chances of staying up, um, and then you're saying also four out of five. Are you? Yes. Yeah. Okay. We Absolutely. didn't we yeah. didn't establish the rating before we start. We should have done this yeah. before we start yeah. recording. <laughs> glad, glad that's been cleared up. Uh, so let's move on to these two, Justin. I'm getting the feeling that we think these two are the main candidates to go down at this moment in time: Birmingham and Rotherham. It obviously depends massively on Rotherham's games in hands, but let's talk about Birmingham first. What are the pros for Blues? <laughs> Christ. Um, <laughs> uh, Lee Bowyer coming in is a massive pro. They weren't going anywhere under Karanka, although I don't think it's all down to Karanka because this, this group of players has been together for a long time under managers that haven't been successful. So uh, the new manager bounce is hopefully going to you know he's got two weeks to work with them with the international break as well so you're hoping that it, it swings into a positive as well as that I said with experience Birmingham have got plenty of it um, they've got players who have been involved in relegation battles and as well as that they've got players to come in that they brought in in January Sam Cosgrove has, has only managed a handful of games Lukas Jukovic I think I think Lee Bowyer is going to Lee Bowyer literally said he's going to when you've got weapons like him use them just use them, and he's going to do that. And we saw Jukovic against Reading score at the back post, which you know we all know that's that's Jukovic territory. He's going to get the best out of him. So I think those are the things that are going to swing their way because you know defending a set of pieces and all sorts just isn't their forte. So yeah, I think you're pretty much spot on. I don't have much much to add there. I think Lebo, you're coming in is massive because if they, if they still had Karanka now, then I would have no confidence at all really in Birmingham staying up but Karanka gives them uh, Boya sorry gives them a new manager bounce and he's hungry to keep them in the championship it's a club that he has a lot of respect for from when he was a player and he's clearly making the right changes bringing Jukovic back in 
makes complete sense. Scott Hogan's been playing up front for on his own for most of the season. It's just not worked. So I don't know why Karanka was so stubborn in sticking with it, really. So, yeah, makes complete sense. What are the big cons, Justin? <laughs> big, big cons. Um, well, they, they're not very good at keeping possession. Um, they can't defend set pieces very well. They're not very good at keeping the leads. Their home record's terrible. Yeah, there's a lot there. Individual areas, they creep in. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Harley Dean after his antics under uh, celebrating its Reading. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot a lot of issues at Birmingham City that will need addressing in the summer, whether they go down or not. But we they they've been in full sight of everyone this season. Yeah, I think you've pretty much wrapped it all up there, mate. Um, <laughs> there's the form as well. We've seen obviously they picked up the win. Um, against Reading wasn't it mm-hmm. and that's that's the new manager bounce that we're basing our theory on because they've since lost at the weekend didn't they so it's still we're still waiting to see whether there is a new manager bounce um, the form's not great defensively they're a bit of a shambles and they've struggled for goals all season so um, unlike Derby they aren't ticking one of the boxes at least with a defensively not being very good so yeah there's um there's still a lot to be concerned about at Birmingham. Bowyer coming in hasn't saved them at all yet. Um, there's still a lot, a lot, depending on how they do when we come out of the international break. I think a lot of Birmingham fans will be thinking as well that perhaps this is the year they go down because they've been flirting for the last two or three years. I think I made a point not too long ago, it might have been on Twitter actually, that they haven't finished above... 18th since um, something like 15, 16. So it's been it's been a long time coming. What are you saying for rating then? Out of five, five being they're definitely staying up. Zero being they've got no chance. I would give them a, a I would give them a one point nine. I'd give them a two point five. I think <laughs> because I'm not at all sold. Let's move on to Rotherham then, who are only three points behind Birmingham, of course, but have got those four games in hand, which makes it all very confusing, Justin. What are we saying? What are the big pros for Rotherham? If we're being really honest, if it wasn't for this pesky COVID, Rotherham would be a lower mid-table team for me. I think they've had a lot of... Yeah, honestly, I think they've had a lot of disruption which, as we well know, is, is going to play a big part in, in, in how the season finishes for them. What Paul Warren is doing, I think he's a big positive for starters. What he's done with this team is is ridiculous. They're very good at they're very good at creating scoring chances. They're very good at set pieces. They're a strong and physical team. They put in a lot of crosses. We know that Michael Smith is a danger. They've got Freddie Ladapo who for some reason has just pulled out a hammerhead of a right foot over the last couple of games. They've got a lot of ability for me. Um, that that has gone under the radar, and I think I think they're more likely to stay up than Birmingham City are, in my opinion. Well, they've got the best attack out of the teams in yeah. the relegation battle at the moment, and you've got to take into account that's with them playing four games for most of the teams down there. Um, four games fewer than most of the teams down there, I should say. Um, and they've also they're they're also fairly good at the back, aren't they? They've got one of the best defensive records from open play in the championship this season which is a bit surprising but there you go so they're good at both ends of the of the spectrum really um, and they of course have got four games in hand which 
it is a positive and it's also a negative. Yeah. Positive yeah. in the way that they've still got ground to make on all the teams. The negative, as we've talked about loads, is their running for the final few weeks of the season is going to be incredibly tough. And it's going to have an impact. That's the main negative for me. I think if if there wasn't COVID, then I think I kind of agree with you. I don't think there'd be in a relegation battle. Won't go as as far to say mid-table, but I think we're talking about the same kind of region as Forest and Huddersfield are. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they would be safe. It's just this season's caused havoc in what is a Rotherham squad, which is also quite small. Any other negatives that you can think of? I think yeah, yeah, for me it just comes down to the running. Their running is is going to be intense, and if if I'm a Birmingham City uh, fan, I would try and destroy their ice bath because that's going to be needed in this in this Rotherham running for recovery. Um, they're going to play four games in eight days, which is just ridiculous. I I haven't done that since I was eighteen years old when we used to play that often. I don't think many of these other pros would. have been in that situation before either so I think Paul Warren will take a couple of hits on the chin in those games and rest key players maybe even a lot of players um, so I think team management is going to is going to win I say win them something it's going to keep them up is how he manages as a team as I was saying I think Rotherham are a good side but I do honestly think this run is just going to reap havoc in their squad this season and fatigue is going to become a massive massive issue so for me I would say chances of staying up out of five I'd go two just because of how awful that running is going to be in the final um, what is it 12 games of the season you've got to try <laughs> yeah. and fit in 12 games in what is a matter of a few weeks it's crazy what run? Uh, what rating are you giving them Justin? I give them two point five. I I, I favour them higher than than Birmingham City. I just Birmingham City have been terrible, and Rotherham don't make a lot of mistakes that Birmingham City do. And once the pressure starts ramping up, or if Rotherham get a bit of momentum and pressure ramps up for Birmingham, that's going to tell. Because if Rotherham get momentum, then the you know Derby are struggling, Birmingham City are struggling. So it's going to be an interesting one. But I favour Rotherham higher than Birmingham. So you're saying if you had to bet on it, then you'd be saying Birmingham, Wednesday and Wickham? Yes. Yeah, I would. Well, in that case, I'm saying Rotherham, Wednesday, Wickham. Who knows how this season's going to finish? I mean, as we say, Derby and Coventry still well in there. The other teams, Forest, Preston, Huddersfield, can't rule them out if their form doesn't improve. So it's incredibly tight. Um, Wednesday, do we want to quickly touch on them? What... Let, let's give them a rating at the very least. What rating are you giving them of staying up this season? <laughs> For me, I mean, I said Birmingham City 1.8, didn't I? So I'd yeah. say Wednesday, probably like a 1.6. I'm sorry to listen for putting these points in, but you can't just say it's 1 or 2. so confusing. I know, I know. A lot of numbers. Um, but it's just the, the easiest way to sort of deduce how, how likely I think these teams are, are going to go down. Um, Wednesday are picking up. That's the, that's the worry. Darren Moore, the performances under Darren Moore have been quite good in my opinion. Mm. Um, and he's, and he's, and he's starting to turn a corner with, with points as well, four points in the last two games, which is a big bonus for them. So, I mean, the slightly likelihood is they are going to go down, but I don't think you can rule them out based on Darren Moore's form at West Brom when they were, down and out so exactly. it's yeah you, you can't you can't rule them out 
I think if zero is they're definitely down and out, then I'm going to go one. Just because they're an outsider, it's looking unlikely they'll stay up. But if they manage to put together a couple of wins, then suddenly it looks very, very interesting. And considering they managed to win at the weekend against Barnsley, who knows? Who knows, Justin? (laughs) This is the championship. This is why we bloody love it. So I think that's just about it for us here on the second tier this week. Thank you for listening wherever you are in the world. Just a quick reminder that on Thursday, our episode with Mark Bowen came out, the former Reading manager. Um, Very honest bloke. Had a great chat with him. He was uh, very candid in his thoughts about how things went for Reading last season. It was a great chat. He's a really top bloke as well and clearly just loves talking about football. So uh, if you haven't heard that yet, I urge you to go listen to it. It came out on Thursday. Fantastic listen, if I do say so myself. I've also had great feedback, if you don't mind me saying. Um, (laughs) So that's just about it here on the second tier. But we'll have another episode on Thursday where we review all the games from the Championship coming up in just a week's time. And we look forward to seeing you then. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 